1: Welcome into Shot and Vip, a podcast brought to you by Inside Carolina this football season. We're presented, as always, by Johnny T-Shirt. Co-hosting this, I'm Taylor Viplis, joined by my fellow Carolina football letterman and teammate, Jeff Schotmer. <laughs> Another victory Monday, like the cigars. I don't care what time it is. We're smoking that Miami pack tonight. Uh, Carolina wins 41 to 31 against Miami. UNC moves to six and zero. they are the only team in the country with five double digit wins against power five opponents, five consecutive wins against the U. Where do you want to start here, man? The floor is yours.
0: I, I just want to start by saying, you know, I actually got to go to the game this weekend. and Obviously, we got to hung, hang out, and uh, it, it just felt so good being back in North Carolina. Man, I mean, I built so many relationships with people, and I got to see former teammates, former coworkers, former players, you know, some fans, some alumni. Just, it's Carolina is such a big family atmosphere, and it was it was great to be back in Chapel Hill. Uh, look, I get to see your face every week on a podcast, but I don't get to see you in person ever, so it was good to you know, chop it up at the tailgate and go to Bob's for a little bit. So, man, it, it, I just I just wanted to get that aside before we talked about the game. Um, there's so many people that have had, you know, impact on my life at, from Chapel Hill and revolved around the school. So I just wanted to, you know, say how special that university is and how much love I got for them uh, and how much love I got for the team. And, look, welcome to the top ten, Tar Heel fans. Uh, we look like we belong. That That's the best part. You know, we uh, – Everyone's doing their part. You know, I, I talked about last week. Each each phase of the uh, phase of the game, they're making plays, offense, defense, special teams, and you know, I'll, I'll throw a new phase in this week, and that's that's the the fan base. You know, what an atmosphere! What a what an atmosphere we had Saturday night in Keenan Stadium. I mean, couldn't have asked for better weather, other than some slight rain in the third quarter. But look, there's always been a knock on either our team not performing. At, up to expectation or our fan base you know not supporting our guys all the time you know not always coming to the games not being rowdy loud rambunctious but i mean we brought it our fans brought it it was noisy it was wild it was a great atmosphere you know our our team performed for us so all in all it was an a plus weekend for the heels man
1: yeah 2015 when you look back to that north carolina miami game it felt like they were undefeated going into that game, and it felt like we started like, to, like, beg people to show up to our games. Mack Brown comes back to North Carolina, and it kind of rejuvenated the, the entire football program. And Mack Brown said, like, you know, I, I didn't come here to be average. I, I came to take this North Carolina program back to where I was taking it in 1997. And you you hear that, and it's like, oh, that's just coach speak. But when you watch the how he's put – those words into action, and you're at kickoff against Miami. Carolina's a top 15 team. You have a quarterback who is legit in the Heisman race. He's probably top five after this showing against Miami. You're 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 just looking around like even even the blue zone. Who you know those sometimes people are are staying inside. It was a, a little colder of a night. A, rain you mentioned. The blue zone looked great. The student section looked great. The the Kenan stadium and the first, per- the first time I remember like really thinking that because I-, I didn't grow up in North Carolina. I grew up in New York. Uh, my first time even experiencing Carolina football wasn't until uh, my senior year of high school, but like the 2019 game against Miami, that was the first time where you start to look around and you're like, man, Carolina has the potential to build something special. And what Mac Brown has done with, revamping the the coaching staff with getting players to chapel hill like you said it they're a top 10 team they didn't back their way into the top 10 only team in the country with five double digit wins against power five opponents whoever you put in front of this north carolina team right now they're they're knocking them down and you know uh credit to us on on this podcast we we kind of gave everybody the blueprint for for what was going to happen in this game miami was going to come out desperate um try to get that bad taste out of their mouth after losing a game in one of the worst fashions we've ever seen a game get lost. And North Carolina withstood the punches and then North Carolina has the playmakers to punch you back and put you on the ropes and then get that knockout punch. One of the players, because I don't think one of my points in in the, the post game video I did was I don't think North Carolina wins this game two weeks ago without Tez Walker, Tez Walker, has a massive game for North Carolina. He goes for let me pull up the numbers here. 6 catches, 132 yards, 3 touchdowns. He gets his first touchdown for the Tar Heels, he gets his second touchdown, he gets his third touchdown. And then he throws the U down. What were your impressions of of Tez Walker in this Carolina offense? I mean, he's a
0: superstar he's what we've been missing since uh since Deami brown just in the ability to stretch the field vertically uh you know he was very limited in in the game plan last week you know rightfully so he gets cleared on a thursday and we play saturday so he he didn't get many reps with the first team offense and um you know you you see after a full week of practice you know the the game plan around him what we can do and, and how special he is how talented he is i mean Look, he stretched the field vertically. He shows the ability to run after run after catch. he he uh, he's great with the ball in his hands in open field. He makes contested catches. He tracks the ball well on deep balls. He's a hands catcher. he can he can go up and get it. Um, you know, he shows all the ability that that we needed. You know, most of the receivers we have on our team are 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 possession guys. I mean, other than Nate, you know Nate's got some speed in the open field, but like jJ. Jones isn't. You know, it doesn't have that game-breaking speed that Tez does. I mean, he just looks effortless when he's out there running. He's he's kind of like a just a gazelle or a deer. He just he's he just glides across the field. Uh, he even recovered an onside kick to help secure the game. So, I mean, Tez did it all yesterday, and you know, we're lucky to have him. And and now I understand why you know Mac and 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 the rest of you know the Carolina community fought so hard to, to make him eligible because he's he's a game changer and he. He kind of t- takes us to that that top tier of, of where we can become.
1: Yeah, I tweeted it earlier um, on Sunday, but the point I was making on Twitter was like, I know this is a football podcast, but to make a basketball analogy, the, the Brady Mannix, the Cam Johnson territory of UNC transfers where a player transfers to North Carolina and almost instantly they feel like lifelong Tar Heels. Like if you would have told me Tes Walker has been a Tar Heel for 10 years, I, I wouldn't contest that. The way the school fought for him, the way the fans rallied behind him, and then for him to then take that opportunity and deliver in in the biggest moments for this North Carolina team. There's a stat I saw from, from ESPN Stats and Info. Tez Walker is the second player in North Carolina history to record three receiving touchdowns in a game against an AP Top 25 opponent, joining Hakeem Nicks, who did it in 2008 versus Boston College, who was ranked 23rd at the time. And really with Tez Walker, he's an NFL player in a Carolina uniform. That That's my biggest takeaway watching him, where if you get one-on-one coverage, and Miami did do a good job of muddying some things up on Drake May and, and getting a lot of pressure for him. But when we'll talk about Omar and Hampton, when Omar and Hampton's able to run the ball and Miami is being as aggressive as they are, with their safeties and and they're trusting their corners to win one-on-one matchups on the outside with Tez Walker. If you're North Carolina, I think you're more than happy to to take that shot and, and give Tez Walker a chance to knowing Drake may is going to put a ball in a great spot and knowing that Tez Walker is a player uh, that can go up and get it. And I think when, when we're watching Tez Walker, I think he's playing himself into everybody talks about him as a, a top 40 prospect or top 50 prospect in the NFL draft. And when he, he gets to his combine and, he, and he's running a sub-4, 440 four, at his size, I think he is entering that late first-round territory, uh, late first-round pick territory. And I, I mentioned how Miami had to be more aggressive with their safeties coming upfield. Omar and Hampton, who entered the year in kind of a battle with, with British Brooks, you have Omar and Hampton go for four carries, 197 yards and a touchdown. What you see from Hampton and what was working so well for Carolina in the run game?
0: I mean, the glaring thing—the difference between watching a game in person and on TV—is the physicality of the game. You hear that, you hear the the banging of the pads. You see the body types up close. And Amari and Hampton, the thing that sticks out to me is how physical he is with the ball in his hands. How hard he runs. How tough he is to tackle. Uh, I mean I mean he's he's a bona fide superstar as well. He he runs as hard as Javante Williams. You know, that that's he's he's bigger than Javante. Um, but I think as a whole, as a whole team, the knock on us for I don't know, the last 10, 15 years has been we lack physicality. You know, North Carolina is this we've always had good offenses, you know, for the last 10 years, but we haven't we haven't been great in the trenches. And we haven't shown that that true physicality. And if you look across the board last night, you know, Miami is a – they look pretty. They have some really good-looking athletes. They've always, you know, had really good-looking athletes, and they've always had big, strong, fast guys that are physical. And we out-physicaled them last night in every facet. You know, our offensive line was pushing them around. And don't get me wrong, they had some sacks, they had some TFLs, but for the majority of the game, you know, we were pushing them around up front. They came into the game averaging 58 yards – uh, on defense giving up rushing, and we run for 235, you know. So uh, they, those two big safeties that they have that will be top three-round picks, they had trouble ta- tackling Hampton. So just the physicality that he runs with is, is, sets the tone for our team. And then and, and going on to the defensive side, the physicality was showed. You know, with, with Rucker, I mean, he is a beast. You know, Des Evans, uh, Power, He's always played, he's always played physical his whole career. Cedric Gray is getting more physical. And the one that stepped up to me was Marcus Allen. There was a play where they did a crack, uh, crack screen kind of, and, and the running back bounced it out wide, and Marcus Allen had to come up and make a tackle. And he wasn't going in there ankle biting or diving at his knees. It was it was a true helmet to helmet contact, and, and he puts put a thud on the Miami running back. And it's something that we haven't seen a UNC cornerback tackle like that in a while. So just the the heightened sense of physicality that we have, and um, that that that's what separates a top ten team from a top 25 team like if you look across the board top 10 teams historically it's it's Bama that's what they're known for is is they're they're great in the trenches and they're physical as hell you know Georgia they've been that way for the last couple of years Notre Dame's always had the big offensive line that's that's physical so for us as we get into the top 10 we're earning it and we're showing that we deserve to be there with with our play and uh people are going to start talking about North Carolina being a physical team now
1: you mentioned the the physicality that that comes with the game of football, especially when you're watching it in person, and that kind of jumps out to you right away. I've had this happen to me. Do you ever watch a, a play happen where somebody gets gets a clean thud off, and you're like, "Man, I used to play this,
0: dude." I I don't I can't imagine. I'm a, I'm a golfer and paddle player now. I I watch some of those hits, and I'm like, I cringe. I'm like, I, I, feel, it. I, I feel it. Yeah.
1: Oh man, yeah, I
0: agree.
1: Uh, one of the things that that kind of hamstrung uh North Carolina in, in the first half was the penalties. The penalties, uh, they were they were playing a, a pretty undisciplined brand of football, and it was giving Miami, who, to be honest, I, I think I underestimated Miami a bit. I knew that they were going to be the best team that Carolina played in the trenches, but when you are playing an undisciplined, like sloppy kind of brand of football. Giving those playmakers and a team with that amount of speed and that amount of athletes more opportunities is going to uh, cost you. North Carolina had 14 penalties for 147 yards. Where did you kind of? What did you kind of see with with the penalties for the Tarios?
0: So it was a very physical game. Um, you know, the majority of the penalties that I saw were on the O line and D line. We had way too many holding calls but, you know, kind of give Miami's defensive line credit and their linebackers because they were stunting and blitzing and shifting and moving a lot. And, you know, that, that, you know, put some heartache on our offensive line. Um, And then on the D line, you know, we, we had two kind of BS penalties that I I didn't think were penalties. The big one was uh, the, the hands to the uh, quarterback's face on second or third down, you know, that's, Yeah, I get it. He grades his face mask, but I guess by the the rare
1: roughing the passer, the quarterback still standing.
0: Yeah, I mean, so I think this this game was kind of an an anomaly in terms of penalties. Yes, we had a lot. And I think it was the most we've ever had in Carolina history. But, you know, before this game, we were, you know, top 30, top 40 in penalties per game. So it's not who who we've been the whole year. I I thought the the refs were calling, you know, kind of a, a. a tight game and they they weren't letting things slide. So, um, you know, I don't look at it as something that's gonna, you know, hinder us going forward. Obviously we got a Mac does a really good job the day after the game of of addressing each penalty, going back through watching the film to see exactly what happened, how we get it corrected. You know, we always got officials at practice. So I, I don't think this is an issue going forward, but it, it was frustrating in the game for sure.
1: We, we mentioned how Carolina had so much success against Miami on the ground. Miami came in as the number one rush defense in the country. I'm pretty sure it was like 58.2 yards per game that they were giving up on the ground. They hadn't allowed team to get to over 100 rushing yards total in a single game on the season. Carolina goes for 235 yards against them. And one of your last points was how Miami had success stunting and getting pressure on drake may why do you think there seems to be such a contrast for this carolina team and their ability to pass protect and then run protect because i think i think for fans you kind of think like if you could block one you should be able to block for another but it it seems like this north carolina team is a lot stronger on the ground than they are in pass pro. yeah
0: i just think that's kind of how our guys are built and like in their skill you know i I think they're just more road graders and 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 bigger bodies and and more physical in the in the run game that's just like that's their skill level it's like it's like a receiver that you know is really good at stretching the field vertically but he may not have the side-to-side agility that a slot receiver does it's just like that's their skill level but i i think some of the some of the sacks in the first half were on drake um i'd have to go back and dive into the film you know exactly but I think our O line is doing a good job. I'm going to give you know Miami's defensive coordinator and their and they talented up front and at linebacker. They they were coming from all angles last night. You know, second level defenders were twisting and wrapping, and 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 none of the four down linemen were ever really staying truly in their gap lanes. It was a lot of twisting and and picking and and things like that. So give them credit and look. I think they had four sacks in the first half and maybe one or two in the second. So we we did kind of. And I think a move I saw from Chip Lindsey is is we we brought in more tight ends into the game and tried to, you know, try to do seven man pro with them. We we put British in the game more when we were throwing the ball because British is our best run run protect or uh, pass protecting back. Um, so so he I think on on one of Tez's last touchdowns, you know, British had a key block to you know keep the keep the play alive and let Drake you know because it was a longer developing route. So. Uh, we, we definitely had a much better second half in terms of pass protection, but going back to your original question, I just think we're, we're more built in the run game of, of our, our true skill level at the offensive line.
1: Yeah, and then sometimes to to be a, a great team in, in college football, you need things to break your way and, and the way a football is shaped, you know, sometimes you are going to get some weird bounces and the bounces that did go in Carolina's way. What did you kind of see from that and just the overall luck factor that you need sometimes to have these toss up games go your way?
0: Yeah, I mean, there was a two play swing in the first half where you know, Miami's driving, they fumble. You know, going into the into their end zone, and that's a seven point swing right there. And then the next play, Drake gets sacked, and the ball's in the end zone. And and came in, or not Cayman Rucker, uh, Kamari Morales picks it up and runs it out of the end zone. So we do, we dodge two bullets back to back. But you know, sometimes top ten teams get lucky. I guess that's good karma for us. But um, we'll, we'll take the luck. And the other one we had was Miami fumbled in the third quarter on the on the bad snap from the center and we took advantage of that opportunity miles murphy jumped on the ball and we ended up scoring after that but look the ball bounces funny ways in football and um when you're on the right side of it you just got to take advantage of it
1: yep miami turns the ball over five times in this game if you count the um them not getting it off the uh fourth down attempt carolina only scores seven points off the Miami turnovers, but I, I think that kind of just speaks to, you know, how good this Carolina team is. They, they score seven points off five turnovers. They have the most penalty yards that they've had in, in quite some time, if not the most of all time. Um, and they're in a fourth quarter of a game up 21 controlling a, a really good uh, Miami team, but we're going to take a quick break here so I can remind everybody about Johnny t-shirt. If you're going to be in Chapel Hill, visit johnny t-shirt on Franklin Street if you're not going to be in Chapel Hill. You could visit them online at johnny shirt.com. Gear up with the Carolina stuff. Shot. I, I was in Chapel Hill this past weekend and your boy dropped a bag at Johnny T
0: shirt. <laughs> What'd you get? Can you can you model some of the gear for us?
1: Yeah I, I don't have I don't have any of it now. It's in the car. I'm 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 going to head to the airport soon, but I got this. Hold on. Let me show you this Carolina football tee for the, for the podcast. Like so I'm holding up a t-shirt, uh, Carolina football, Jordan brand. Uh, I got a Navy baseball Jersey. It was on sale. Uh, i trying to think what else I got. I got a hat too, uh, but there Johnny t-shirt. It's got it all. Whatever you can need. Johnny t-shirt is going to have it. Um, And the colder weather is getting here, so if you're going to be in Chapel Hill next week for the Virginia game, stop on over at Johnny T-Shirt. And the reason why I dropped such a big bag is because I know Inside Carolina Premium subscribers save 10% off their orders, so that was a a nice little bonus for me. 10% off? that might as well be an extra thing you get that that's, how, sure. my, that's how my brain processes it. oh i'm saving money so let me get something else uh but shot north carolina in, in the second half they take over this has been a second half team all season which i think kind of speaks to a great team where they go in they rebound they regroup and they play their best football out of the break they enter this game having won every second half this season outscoring opponents 80 to 44 that trend continued Saturday night with North Carolina winning the second half, 27-14. to 14. What did you see from Carolina on both sides of the ball and and where those adjustments were coming from?
0: I just thought it showed we have a mature team. And we have a mature team and we have a well-coached team in terms of we can make corrections at halftime, make adjustments and come out in the second half and, and really fire on all cylinders. I think that third quarter showed that was like the peak of what UNC football can be. You know that twenty-one and nothing run against a top twenty team in the country, and we dominated them in every facet. You know we we started the we started the second half with a, with a long touchdown to Tez, and I want to give our play calling a lot of credit because so I think it was the first or second play of the series we take a deep shot to Tez, and Miami's in quarter quarters coverage, so essentially if Tez is on the outside, he's in single man to man coverage with the cornerback. Well, Tez has an inside release and beats him beats him on a go ball, and the corner obviously has to hold him, and, and Tez draws a P.I., okay? And then the next play, I think we just hand it off to Hampton for one or two yards. And then the third play of the series, we go right back to that same look because we know Miami's going to be in that same coverage. They're in that same coverage, and Tez, we run a quarters beater, so it's a two-by-two set, and the slot receiver occupies the, the underneath defender and the safety on him, and Tez is one-on-one with the corner he runs the same route inside release runs a skinny post and Drake has his best throw of the day. And, and Tez just outruns the corner. So th- that's our coaches in the press box, identifying the coverage and calling the right play against the right coverage. So give them a bunch of credit because, you know, we talk about situational football in the red zone and third down, et cetera, but like taking shots when you know that you have the right play for the right coverage, that's what it's about as well. So uh, that, that was a great start for us, but, the third quarter was just team football, right? Our offense was firing on all cylinders. Our run game was intact. Uh, Tez, Tez was lighting up the defense. But then we, we had two turnovers on defense. You know, Cedric Gray had an unbelievable interception, just showing his range and athletic ability. Uh, we recover a fumble, and we played complimentary football because when, when we got the ball back, when we turned him over, our offense went down and scored. It wasn't like we just pointed the ball back to him. No, we, we put we put the pressure on him. We kept our foot on the gas. And, you know, it, it just showed, look, we go on a 21 run, 21 and nothing run against that good of a team, very talented. When they're up at half, you know, playing good football, that, I was like, damn, we're for real. Like, this, this really showed, you know, how good we can be.
1: Yeah, the team went into halftime kind of reeling. And... I thought the defense is what won Carolina this game because Miami comes out of the break up and probably feeling pretty good about themselves. And Carolina stops, stops them on four consecutive times getting the ball back to the offense every time. And it was, it was only a matter of time before Drake got going with somebody as talented as Tez Walker and with how efficient North Carolina was running the ball the, the DBs, too, I want to highlight because their play this year, it's been you know a, a breath of fresh air, something that we're not used to seeing in Chapel Hill. They're, you mentioned Marcus Allen's physicality. Really, anything about the defensive back play, we're, we're not really used to seeing in Chapel Hill with some regularity. Miami has a, a great group of receivers, and yeah, Van Dyke throws for nearly 400 yards, but If you're you're just looking at the box score, the box score doesn't tell the full picture for for how well Carolina's DBs cover.
0: So Miami has a NFL quarterback. That that kid, Van Dyke, will play in the NFL. They have two NFL receivers, and they have an NFL running back. So they they do have talent all across the skill position. So, yes, we're going to give up yards. Yes, they're going to make some plays. But in this game, to me, I saw at least four or five DBs at at different times high point the ball and and play – through the receiver's hands, you know, on a jump ball better than I've ever seen in the last few years. You know, uh, Huzzy, Huzzy has shown it all year. He's able yeah. to track the ball. He's got great ball skills. He, he's not not one that gets into the receiver's body and, and, and gets PIs drawn on him. He, he's very good at that. But seeing Marcus Allen do it on a skinny post in the first half, you know, Chapman had one on our sideline. Um, Holloway had a, a, a big PBU. You know, Geo Biggers made a play in the ball at the end of the game to make a pick. I mean, to see our DBs, they're they're just getting better as the season goes along. I mean, you watch the first game versus South Carolina and and we're we're kind of worried about Holloway because he's he's giving up these contested catches. But all all those reps and all those, you know, plays that he's played throughout the year, he's getting better. And it, it's fun to see because um like like we talked about preseason our dbs were our weakness going into the season and, and that was our biggest question and, and now they're really stepping up to the challenge because you know our, our d line's getting good pressure our, our our linebackers have always been able to cover so now we're putting the full package together and it's 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 going to be beneficial because our offense is going to score a bunch of points so what does that mean the other the opposing offense is going to have to throw the ball so at the end of the day our, our pass rush is going to have to to really take over and that's going to limit, you know, time for our DBs to cover. So uh, those those two go hand in hand, and um, they've they've really uh, excelled as as the season's gone along.
1: Yeah, even with a player like Holloway in that first half, he he slips a couple of times trying to get his footing on uh, the the slick turf, and he doesn't let that defeat him. Where you know some fans are watching and you're like, hey, let, let's let's change something up. The coaching staff had the confidence in him. And you're rewarded with him making plays. And, you know, if, if he doesn't slip, for the most part, he is in a receiver's hip. And if the receiver makes a contested catch, you tip your hat, you go to the next play, and you have that short-term memory. But the the DBs deserve a lot of credit. The, the coaching staff deserves a lot of credit for the DBs. And another point that I wanted to point out um, regarding the defense single digit missed tackles again against a team like Miami who's so good with so many athletes in space uh Carolina missed let's see here seven tackles seven tackles against a team that's like Miami that's really good yeah
0: uh but yep yeah, go ahead i was going to say i mean that are tackling and we we've talked about it in and Prior weeks is how much better it's gotten. And the three things that I notice are our tackling, our effort, and our physicality. You know, those three things, regardless of what scheme we're running, if, if we succeed and and thrive in those three areas, you know, we're gonna we're gonna win a lot of football games like like we've shown so far. So, um, yeah, we, we tackle well on all, on all levels. Our defensive line does a good job of, of playing off trash and making tackles, and and like Des Evans, for example he's so fun to watch on film because maybe he's not getting the sack numbers that everyone's projecting him to, but he impacts the game on such a high level in terms of his effort to the ball. You know, if they're throwing a a tunnel screen away from him, he's turning retracing down the line and going to make plays seven yards down the, down the field, you know, Des Evans, his effort is contagious and um, it's, it's helping our whole team.
1: I forgot to do the uh, pro football focus grades. Um, for for the offense, and and I'll get to the defense here, for for the top five on both sides of the ball. And the only reason I realized that is because I had a stat from Pro Football Focus. Omar and Hampton had 153 yards after contact. (laughs) He was a a tough guy to bring down. Carolina's top players on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Omar and Hampton was the top graded Tar Heel. 90.4. 90.4. Devontae Walker, 74.3. Willie Lambkins, 67.5. British Brooks, 64.6. And Copenhaver, 62.9. Drake May was uh, – a lot of the players played one snap, Um but Drake May's grade was 58.2. And there, there were times early in the first half where the pressure was kind of getting to him, and, and he did look rattled. But, again, Carolina – Controls that game. They're up three scores late in the third quarter, early in the fourth quarter. And you know Drake May could, could play a whole lot better. This North Carolina team can play a whole lot better for for a complete game. And you're like, wow, there there is something special here with this team and their ability to control games for the top players on defense. Let me Bo guess. Let
0: me, let me, let me, oh, he's number one? Bo Atkinson, number one, 82.7. Number, n- number two, Cedric Gray.
1: Cedric Gray is number three, 73.7. Number, number,
0: number two is uh, Rucker or Miles Murphy?
1: Came on Rucker is number
0: two, 74.2. guess Miles Murphy in the top five? Number five. Okay. Who's you want to guess who's number four? Number four was <sighs> what position? Cornerback. Marcus Allen. No. Hermione Chapman. Chapman. Yeah, yep. Chapman, yeah.
1: Chapman. And and I think that kind of, the fact that w- there are so many names that you could list out when you're trying to guess who the top five players on the Carolina defense were, um, it, it's it's special the, the way they play. You know, most of their starters were at 60 or above, which is above average according to uh, Pro Football Focus's grading skill. With this North Carolina team, how are we adjusting expectations? How how are you adjusting expectations?
0: I think going into the season, we kind of had two expectations: one, if Tez Walker played, and one, if he didn't. Right? If Tez didn't play, we were saying our floor was probably nine, ten games, but our ceiling still was the ACC championship. And now, with Tez Walker inserted into the lineup, and I know we've had some other injuries with Kobe and and some other guys, but our expectation now is ACC championship. I mean, I I know that's everyone in the fan base, everyone, everyone. Make it or win? Win. Yes. Win. It's win. I mean, it's it's us and Florida State. You know, everyone thought it was going to be Louisville in there, but they go lay an egg against a Pittsburgh team who we beat the, I don't want to cuss, beat the crap out of. I hope that's good enough. Um, So, I mean, we made their quarterback switch from quarterback to tight end. Yep. Anyway, I, I think it's ACC championship or bust. That's that's the talent level we have on this team. And, and the cool thing about it is how confident our guys are and how locked in they are. You know, I was down on the field pregame, and I got to see some of the guys. Cedric Cedric Gray and Kamen were two of the guys I talked to. And they they just have this look in their eye, like we're out for blood every game. You know, they had a bad taste in their mouth from last year. Um, and they're, they're exceeding expectations and, and – and crazy ways. And, you know, they're, they're a huge part of our success this year. So I, I think everyone should, you know, readjust their expectations. It's ACC championship or bust. And then once we get that ACC championship, like I do think we can start to mention the playoff word. You know, I, I'm not a believer that we're jinxing anything. No, we have a confident talented bunch that we should be supporting them and backing them and believing that they can, they can run the table, go 12 and 0 and, and, and win the ACC championship.
1: Yeah, I I think the the player's mindset, I think that's one thing that some fans have to kind of um, be able to separate where, you know, we could talk about, hey, this team should win an ACC championship. And I think when we say that some fans are like, oh, you're overlooking Virginia or you're overlooking uh, Georgia Tech. We're not in the locker. We're not practicing. The mindset that the players have, I think, is a special mindset with with somebody like Cedric Gray, with somebody like Kamon Rucker, where somebody like Drake May. Those guys are going into every game respecting their opponents and saying, hey, if we do our job to maximum effort with what the coaches are saying, we're going to take care of business every week. And they come in with that work-like mentality every week to where fans and the media can start keyword um, yeah um um we're getting close because you look at the schedule and it's like virginia who is limping into this game uh georgia tech campbell and then you're getting into the duke game and you know carolina wins those three games and you're not zero, and we're we're number 10 right now and you're you're inching closer every week with with some of these upsets um i i do think that's something that some people have to separate with what, what people on the outside are saying and then realizing that what people on the outside are saying is, is a completely different narrative than one that's in Keenan in, in the football center.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, we're, we're winning the games convincingly. We're the only team in the country to, be, to have double digit wins against five power five opponents. It's not like we're limping, limping to victory and, and winning by three, four, one points against these teams. No, we're, we're convincingly beating them and so we're passing the eye test, you know. We're, we're we were up thirty-eight seventeen in the fourth quarter against a, a should be an eight nine ten win Miami team. You know that they're a really good team, and we handled them convincingly. So uh, you look across the landscape of college football. You know UGA, who is in everyone's top two or top three. Are they number one right now? I don't even know. Are they number one? UGA is one. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they barely beat an Auburn team. You know, Bama barely beats an Arkansas team. Louisville loses to Pitt. You know, Miami loses to Georgia Tech. Like you see around college football, like you're dealing with 18 to 22-year-old kids and they don't bring it every week. But our our team has shown the maturity and the talent that that each week, regardless of who's, who they're playing, they're beating them and beating them handily. So that's why I think it's ACC championship or bust. I mean, they're taking – it's a nameless, faceless opponent, and they're going out there and handling business and – Um, it's fun to see.
1: Let's get to the pick of the weekend presented by our friends at Congruity. Congruity is a North Carolina-based national coverage, local presence, personal support type of company straight from the Tar Heel State. They are empowering small and mid-sized business owners with HR and payroll outsourcing. They are enabling you to grow your business while they take care of your greatest assets, your people, and they're doing it with top-of-the-line technology and services for every stage of your business's growth with a state-of-the-art online platform. Congruity is obsessed with customer service. They become part of your team. They do the heavy lifting, providing essential admin support with a single point of contact and support available on demand with services that are tailor-made for your company, transforming organizations. Congruity has helped hundreds of businesses improve and enhance their day to day lives, level up your HR capabilities, save money, unlock game changing growth. Visit congruityhr.com backslash tarheels to learn more about congruity. Fill out a quick form to be connected to their consultants, and they'll give inside Carolina listeners or viewers a payroll and HR assessment for free. That's congruityhr.com backslash tarheels. Jeff, I say it every time. The way congruity makes it easier for businesses, we want to make gambling easier for the fans interested in finding a side and keeping track of how we do. People are like, "Oh, you, you dropped a bag. You got bag money at Johnny Fisher. I'm two and zero, baby. I'm
0: winning. <laughs> we
1: he we was both
0: heels minus three was a lock. We both
1: took yeah. UNC minus three, minus three and a half. There there was some debate over what number we were getting. We both had the confidence to said, "Hey, any." Anything less than a touchdown, we're taking. We have confidence in this North Carolina team. We both win. I'm two and zero. Oh, you're one and one. What's your pick of the week presented by Congruity?
0: My pick of the week is Ole Miss minus five against Auburn. Okay. I think. Uh, I look. I, I have a former former player of mine, Eugene Asante's flying around in the defense for Auburn. But um, I, I've seen them play live versus Texas A and M and. Their offensive line is atrocious, and uh, I, I'm back in Ole Miss on this one. I'm sticking to the, the baby blue. You're going on the road. at On Auburn. the road. On the road. at Yep, giving minus points. five. Giving okay.
1: points. Okay, we'll see how that plays out. I'm going to go Penn State plus four and a half. Ohio State dealing with a ton of injuries at running back, and, and there's more of a reliance on Kyle McCord. And He had the comeback drive at Notre Dame, but – Overall, I haven't really been too impressed with them. And I think defensively, for for the first time in a while, Ohio State is a lot better defensively than they are on the offensive side of the football. I think Penn State has the quarterback advantage in this game with Drew Aller. You have two of the top three scoring defenses, Penn State at two, Ohio State at three. On the road, Big Ten title game implications. I'll take the point. So Penn State plus four and a half because I can see them winning this one outright. North Carolina back in action this week. It's the October twenty-first game against Virginia, at home in Keenan Stadium. The UVA game for me. This is going to be a, a a reference that not too many people get, but this is the Boz game of the week for me. <laughs> Blake Bazzinsky, a, a punter for the North Carolina team. Uh, he was a big UVA guy. I'm pretty sure growing up, and and I know I know Boz gets gets all his people together for this game. But six thirty kickoff on the cw so i don't know what channel that's going to be on so anybody looking for that good luck finding it shot man appreciate the time as always and appreciate everybody watching and listening
0: always appreciate it VIP. new cbs sunday